Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. One of the most destructive forces in the world today isn't the mandating of religion, although that is certainly a concern to many. No, it's indifference to religion, a turning away from the Bible and those who use it as a guide for their lives. This indifference or secularism was the theme at a recent World Congress on Religious Freedom held in Punta Cana in the Dominican Republic. Dr. John Grotz, Secretary General of the International Religious Liberty Association, was there and has consented to talk to us about what took place and what we can learn from those meetings. Dr. Grotz, share with us what happened and what impressed you most. You know, Chad, it was the uh, first thing I should say. It was the largest uh, World Congress mm. we have never organized. It was the seventh one. And it was my fourth one. Wow. Uh, but also, it was probably the largest event on religious freedom uh, of this type. It means a, a congress with uh, experts, university professors, officials from government, mm -hmm. religious leaders, and NGOs, and so on. We had about 900 participants. Wow. That was about 50 experts from various universities, officials from government, and uh, top religious leaders, as we had the uh, Baptist World Alliance uh, Secretary General. Mm -hmm. We had also the uh, Secretary General of the uh, Christian Global Forum. Uh, we have the president of the Seventh-day Adventist, mm. and we have also several other leaders, but mainly, you know, university professors, experts, who were able really to... Uh, talk with these uh, topic on uh, secularism and religious freedom. Mm -hmm. You know, when that many people get together, you better have something for everyone. Is that the case? Yeah. Did you have a topic down there? Did this secularism, is this of interest worldwide? Yeah, you, you know, many people, uh, of course, were interested by, by secularism, but we had several workshops. It means in a workshop, uh, you had topics like uh, the state of religious freedom in the world. Mm. And we had also some specific meeting about one country like uh, Nigeria, Egypt, uh, Middle East, uh, India, where people could come and give a testimony about what happened in their countries. And, and that was very interesting. It means, you know, even if you were not totally direct, interested yes. about secularism, the meeting in itself provides so many opportunities to know more about religious freedom and to meet people who are involved in promoting and defending religious freedom. And also, of course, to meet uh, official and religious leaders. Now, Dr. Grass, you have been in the religious freedom business. I, I hate to say it that way, but uh, you have been, <laughs> your, your passion has been religious freedom for, for many years, for decades. Are you seeing a growing interest in the world? Uh, it, it seems to me that we are seeing a lot of instances where religious freedom is under fire in the world. But are we seeing a growing interest in establishing religious freedom and maintaining religious freedom in all kinds of countries? 
Yeah, that's a good question. You know, what we can say that more and more people are really interested in religious freedom. Mm -hmm. And you you have, uh, you know, from both sides, you yeah. have some people thinking that it's really a luxury. We should not spend too much time and too much money and too much energy mm -hmm. defending just a few uh, small minorities you yeah. know uh, they are minorities if they are unhappy they can go somewhere else yeah. but uh, we have enough problem uh, to deal with uh, economy and so on and you have those who think that uh, hey if we are not able to uh, protect religious minorities and religious freedom the right of uh, the freedom of expression the freedom of association we are losing really the essence of uh, our democratic society mm, yes and yes. Uh, what kind of uh, world are we going to build if we forget which is so important like freedom and you know you have today the both tendencies mm -hmm. but i should say in uh, at the level of government uh, more and more countries and uh, today have a question about uh, religious freedom mm -hmm. and even human rights you know they think that Okay, when everything is doing well, why not? But yeah. when you have other priorities, why you should spend so much time? Mm -hmm. And sometimes we just are those who, you know, who come and say, hey, there is a problem. And uh, but they say, well, why? No, there is no problem. Just yes. few people. That's not a problem. Yeah. But the, on the principle, yes, it's a problem. But no, it's more and more challenge. You have to understand that religious freedom is more and more challenge, and more and more people are. Uh, indifferent, or they don't see the point there. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about this Congress, uh, Dr. Gratz. You gather there in Punta Cana in the Dominican Republic. Why did you choose that country? Is there a, a, sp a specific issue down there that you guys were addressing? <laughs> no, you, you know, every, every five years we have a World Congress, uh -huh. and we try to cover all the continents. Mm. It means uh, when I started uh, at this position... Uh, we decided to go to South America, and it was Brazil. Uh -huh. Then we uh, thought that we should go to Asia, and we went to Manila. Mm -hmm. And at this time, you know, we had 300, 350 participants, mm -hmm. but uh, a lot of uh, speakers and uh, officials too. And then we decided to go to Africa because we have never been to Africa, uh -huh. and we uh, went to uh, Cape Town. And then in Cape Town, you know, we had more than 600 participants. It means really we reach a new level yes, about the, uh, the number of people attending the Congress. And, of course, after Africa, as we had been in the past three times in Europe, mm -hmm. we wanted to come uh, back close to America. And uh, we decided to go to Central America, to the Caribbean islands where we have many, many uh, support, and we have done a very intense work the last 10 years in this part of the world. You know, even as you mentioned those countries uh, where you held these conferences, there are definite issues very close by at every one of those places. Yeah, you, you know, still we cannot say that uh, even if the American continent is probably the best in the world in terms of religious freedom, yeah. because we have religious freedom from Canada to Chile or Argentina. <laughs> yes. But there are still some uh, yes. some questions. Yes. One of the first question or discussion was about the priority given to one church in several countries. And you have to... 
uh, deal with uh, new legislation which mm-hmm. could uh, give to every church the same rights. And it's, it's going. It's going to happen more and more. You know, it happened in several countries, but still, it's not totally done. And there are still countries like Panama or some other countries where just one religion really is recognized. And even, you know, in the past, you could not pretend to be president of the country if you were not member of the majority mm-hmm. religion. Mm-hmm. And, and also when it comes to uh, some privileges like taxes and so on, uh, why, you know, just one religion receive all the privileges and the others are not on the same level. It means it's not really an issue about freedom, the right to worship, the right to build churches, the right to even to evangelize, which is uh, really a fact. We have the right to do that. Mm -hmm. But it's about now what is the, the difference between one church to another church. And as in Latin America, pluralism is becoming more and more evident. You know, the evangelicals, are now in some country 25%, 20%. In some other country, they are uh, close to to be the majority. 55, 52, maybe 50. It's not totally official, but it's probably the case. And uh, uh, it means that something has to be changed. Something, you know, the state should uh, realize that now you you don't have just one religion, Mm -hmm. but you have to deal with several and to give the same treatment yes, to all of yes, them and not yes. just to give privileges to one. Yeah, this is this is a different chapter. I haven't heard you talk about this. This is a where where you have the same civil and governmental privileges across the board. We need to make sure that every religion, whether it's small or large, has that type of level playing field. Yeah, this is a question of principle. Yes. You know, we cannot say that we are all citizens are equal, but at the same time you know, some group are more equal than some other. Yeah. If the state decide that you you should be involved in helping uh, religion, it has to be the same yes. for all. Yes. Or this is the best way for us would be separation between church and state. Mm-hmm. It means in this case, the state said to churches and religion, we recognize you. It means uh, you have the same exemption maybe for taxes and so on. But uh, you are free. We don't want to be involved in your business. Mm-hmm. But now if the state said, OK, we have a special agreement with you, it has to be the same for all. It means no group or association should be discriminated. Boy, I can see why there would be pushback, because if you look at the history of many of the countries you've mentioned and you've visited, the church and state were really in bed with each other. I mean, we, you could not separate the two. And for them to pull back and say, okay, yes, I recognize religion A, but I'm putting it on an equal footing with religion B, C, and D, there's going to be some pushback from religion A. Yeah, <laughs> you, you know, I think that even uh, even if uh, we have to deal with religious groups or yeah. churches, in spite of that, uh, we are human people. Yes. You know, we are human beings. Yeah. It means when the state say, okay, you know, we gave you a few privileges in the past, but now, you know, you mm-hmm. will have no privilege. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are not really very happy with that because sometimes it creates a lot of challenges. But if we don't want to, if the state doesn't want to do that, they have to treat all people in the same way. It, it means uh, all churches uh, on the same way. 
And that makes things very, very complicated. But that's a question of principle. You cannot say, okay, yes for this one, but not for this one. And, you know, as I said, there are countries where you have still old legislation which recognize only one church. But now in the countries, you know, uh, the one church is no longer the majority. Mm. And what do you say? What do you say? You say you have to change now uh, to... That is that is this kind of challenge they have to deal in in Latin America. It has, you know, it's not a challenge about really religious freedom, yeah. as in Middle East or in some other countries where really minorities are persecuted. Mm-hmm. Uh, minorities are not persecuted in most of the uh, countries in Latin America, but we can see in some countries more and more uh, pressure from the state. You know, the state wants yeah. to control. All religion, not just yeah, one or yeah. two. And you have some division among uh, Christians or religious people. Some are uh, supporting the state. Some others said, no, you know, religion and churches should be independent. But that's in some countries where, you know, in the past, one religion was imposed by yes, force. Yes, yes. People were forced to, uh, con- to be converted and now, you know, the countries are b- becoming different countries, uh, different governments, and they go back to their roots and said, you know, the uh, original religion in these countries was not Christians, but they were persecuted. It was persecuted during centuries and centuries. Mm-hmm. Now we should recognize the original religion. And some are going even a little too far from mm-hmm. my point of view. They mm-hmm. said not only we should recognize, but we should establish uh, the original or the native religion as the state religion mm. or the religion of the state, yeah. uh, which is still not done. But uh, we can we can see that it can come in some uh, some All other right. country, which will create a lot of uh, opposition and division. Well, it's obvious that there is a lot of work to do out there, and uh, that's what the Congress was for. And The Congress was about secularism. Mm-hmm. It means uh, secularism is especially, you know, uh, known in uh, Western countries like Europe, North America, Canada, of course, yes. and Australia. And that's not really so strong in some other country, but everyone was interested because they feel that secularism is uh, spreading like in especially in Latin America, in Russia, in some other countries where you see secularism is really present. Yeah. And now the question was how we deal with secularism. Is secularism an ally for religion or an enemy of religion? Mm-hmm. And we 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 saw that it could be it could go both ways, you uh-huh, know, uh-huh. secularism when it is ideological secularism when it is a very aggressive secularism, of course, is not good for religion because uh, behind you have the idea that religion is from the past. Yes. Religion is against science. But when we deal with a moderate secularism, uh, which can be perceived at the level of the state, you know, you can have a state which is not a religious state, but Mm -hmm. a secular Mm -hmm. state. Mm -hmm. And uh, a secular state, if it is a moderate secular state, uh, that is very acceptable, especially for religious minorities. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, what is the alternative? Uh, what is the best, a religious state or a moderate secular state? 
you know, in which countries people who change their religion can be sentenced to death or yes. are sentenced yes. to death. It's not in a secular state, it's in a religious state. George H.W. Bush told a gathering of evangelicals in Chicago, it's no accident that in drafting our Bill of Rights, the founders dedicated the first portion of our First Amendment to religious liberty. I believe the Establishment Clause has been a great boon to our country's religious life. One reason religion flourishes in America is that worship can never be controlled by the state. A message from your friends at libertymagazine.org. We're talking with Dr. John Gratz. He is Secretary General of the International Religious Liberty Association. There was a recent World Congress on Religious Freedom in Punta Cana, and he's describing to us some of the issues that uh, we are facing worldwide in this area. Dr. Gratz, the secularism, it it can be good, it can be bad. Uh, If you have a state that is tied to a religion so tightly, how does a state go about separating themselves from this? Because... As I've been told before on this program, sometimes a person's religion and a person's statehood are one and the same. You really can't separate them. How does a country go go about separating itself from a a religious structure that has had for centuries? Yeah, that's a difficult. And very often, you know, you needed a revolution, yes, or a coup, or a change, uh, like in you know Turkey or France and so on, where after centuries, you know, people say enough is enough. Yeah. Now we don't want to see one church controlling all the education, mm-hmm. all the system, all the science, the university. We want to be free to think and to uh, speak about what we think and what we believe, mm-hmm. and that was the the reaction. And it means uh, when you have a strong link between a religion and the state, that could be dangerous for freedom. Mm-hmm. Now, when you have a secular state, if the secular state is like, you know, in America, saying that, okay, we recognize the freedom of religion. Mm-hmm. That's a very important for us. And uh, we don't want to uh, persecute any religion, even, you know, to establish a kind of... Uh, ideology which will fight against religion. Mm -hmm. Religion is private, but it's recognized. It can work, and we are not living in a kingdom of God. We are not still in heaven today, and we have to be very realistic. Mm -hmm. But as I said, for religious minority, it's better to live in a country where the government say, we uh, respect human rights, we respect religious freedom, but we are not religious. Mm-hmm. That in a country where the government say that we are first religious and uh, mm-hmm. those who are not following yeah. us yeah. will be will be persecuted. And that's important. Now, you know, uh, secularism in itself, it's not necessarily good or bad, mm-hmm. but it reveals the state of religion. You know, sometimes people say that, look, at we are attacked by secularism. That's true, you know, but consider secularism as another ideology or another idea. If if nothing is done, you know, to oppose, I think we are living in a free, as long as we are living in a free society, you know, the religious people, people who believe in God and so on, they have not only the responsibility, but they must 
defend their value. They must be present in the society. They must disagree with the dominant uh, way of thinking. But if they do nothing, of course, you know, the secularists will be uh, dominant. Mm -hmm. And it will, in fact, reveal the real state mm -hmm. of the religion in a country. You know, when people said nobody go to church, the big churches, especially in Europe, the big cathedral are almost empty. Yes. I don't know that, you know, if you put now a religious government and you force people to go to church, do you think that it's really <laughs> better? Yeah. Uh, no, that just secularism revealed the real state of religion. You know, if you have a revival among mm -hmm. religious people, mm -hmm. you will have more people going to church, more people defending uh, religious values or mm -hmm. Christian values and so on. And at the end, the society will change. They will become more religious, but not the government, not the state. It needs to come from the bottom up, I hear you saying, not from the top down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay, okay. exactly. Now, you bring up another interesting point here, Dr. Gratz, because there are people in this country, and you said that America is a secular state, and a lot of people probably, their ears picked up when you said that. There are a lot of people here who do not want America to be a secular state. They're trying to change the government by infusing into it religious people. Is there a danger in doing that? Yeah, I think there there is a danger. As I said, there is no perfect, uh, really, model. Yeah. Uh, we are as long as we are living here, there will be always tensions, you yes. know, between uh, different way of thinking. Mm -hmm. But of course, uh, if if you believe you have the truth and you want to take the power in your hand, it means the government. Yes. What are you doing with? Mm. You know, it means you have already an agenda. Yes. You want to use a power to force people to follow. Even if you say that's not true, uh, I am not sure that knowing, you know, a, a human being, uh, yeah. if you have a power in your hand, you will use it. Yes. You will use it. Yeah. And you will use it in according to what you believe. And if you believe that everyone should do that, everyone should do that, you will try to enforce that. At this level, you know, uh, your religion or the religion will become like any kind of other ideology. Mm. means we will fight for a way of thinking, imposing to the other. But that's not really the, the purpose of every religion. You know, the religion should be accepted free by people. Yeah. You are free to accept and you are free to refuse. And if you don't want to have any religion, you are free. And uh, this is why, you know, when you mixed religion and politics, that's no longer religion. It's just an ideology yeah. that you want to impose. Maybe in many ways uh, that would be good for countries, but don't say that it is a, a religion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It could be an ideology. This ideology could be good, you know, and you could do a good job, but now you have to make uh, to be sure that if you want to impose what you believe, where will be the limit. Mm. Uh, do you will you respect human dignity when people are against you? Yeah. What will you do if people are against you? This is especially important in election years when we are looking at candidates, and it just seems so popular in this country to judge a candidate by his or her level of religion. Maybe we should be looking at this a little differently and judging candidates on their level of acceptance of religion. Am I on the right track here? 
Yeah, I think that's exactly. You know, you know, people can have a religion. That's good. You know, if you say I am a Christian mm-hmm. or I have another religion and I believe really, that that's a good sign because normally if you if you are really a good believers, you should be honest. Yes. You should have integrity. You should respect people and so on. It means it's a good sign. But if it is just to get more votes mm. and, and after you are, you are doing worse than those who have no religion, I don't know where is the benefit for a religion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So our task as voters in this country and in any country is to bring into office those people who have open minds not necessarily religious minds. Uh, an atheist with an open mind, I hear you saying, is better than a born-again Christian with a closed mind in power. Am I right? Yeah, I, I let you to decide. <laughs> We're talking with Dr. John Grass, Secretary <laughs> General of the International Religious Liberty Association, and we're talking about secularism today. You've identified that it is both good and bad. Um, have there been any success stories that you can share with us of countries in this world who have been able to make that leap from being a, uh, a religious government to being an open government, tolerant of religion? Has anyone done that yet? Uh, that's that's uh, not so easy, but uh, we talk about Latin America. We can say mm-hmm. that many countries in Latin America mm-hmm. really... Uh, uh, had a past uh, of, of uh, non-religious freedom, yes. and uh, like, like a country like Colombia, you know, in, in uh, uh, 40, 50 years ago, that was very difficult for the Protestant minorities, mm-hmm. and uh, many other countries in Latin America, the minorities really suffered for almost 100 years, mm-hmm. and and even more than that, because if you remember before, you had the Inquisition, yes, and it's it's incredible to see that today. It's probably in the world the place where you have more religious freedom than in some other uh, places and continent amazing, in the world. Amazing. Brazil is, uh, of course, is has always been, you know, not in favor of religious freedom, but open to various religion and pluralism. And now it's really a country where you have a lot of religious freedom. Now, you know, in a country of Brazil. Uh, those who are um, attacking religion are uh, those who can classify as secular or mm-hmm. humanistic uh, secular. It means uh, it, it doesn't come from other religion. It mm. comes from uh, this new trend of secularism, which want to impose their their view yeah. after having been, uh, I have to say, after having been persecuted for for a long long time yes, yes it means you have to find a good balance but as i said if you are uh, in this kind of free society uh, you have to defend yourself you have to promote what you believe you have to promote the values you believe in and and if you do nothing uh, in some some ways i should say do you do you deserve religious mm. freedom if you don't do nothing to defend and to protect it Oh, my. Those are very important words for us to hear today on the program. Dr. John Gratz, Secretary General of the International Religious Liberty Association, thank you very much for being with us today. Always appreciate your words of wisdom. Thank you very much. It's always a pleasure to be with you. And listener, I want to remind you of a website, www.libertymagazine.org. And the reason I want to remind you is if you missed this program or want to hear it again, if you want to share it with someone, 
All of these uh, LifeQuest Liberty programs are available there for downloading, for listening, and for sharing. You might want to just bring them over to your church group or to uh, another group of people in your community who are facing some of the issues that we talk about. These programs will give you some information and hopefully, as I have received today, some encouragement that it is possible for countries to figure it out and to come out better than they were before, allowing more and more people, especially minorities, to have that type of freedom that we want for all people everywhere. Until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Dr. John Gratz inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. You've been listening to LifeQuest Liberty. To further explore the issues discussed on today's program, visit www.LibertyMagazine.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of religious freedom burning in your heart today.